This program, of course, is presented by Pro Wrestling Illustrated, the most widely read, widely sold, and respected wrestling magazine in the world today. This is the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Podcast. I'm your host, PWI senior writer Al Castle, back once again. Going to be joined uh, by my co-host, Brian Tallman, in just a bit. And uh, got a lot to talk about it. Thankfully, a a little lighter subject matter than uh, we've uh, been doing as of late. We're actually going to talk about some wrestling. And there is plenty of wrestling to talk about coming off of the Great American Bash over on NXT and AEW Fighter Fest. Uh, both two-week events with lots of good action and some big news coming out of them. We're going to break all, all that down and some other current events uh, as well. Uh, so that's fun. And then after that, I uh, got uh, an interview that I expect uh, could be pretty newsworthy and, and certainly a little heavier subject matter than what I'll be talking uh, with Brian about. It is with um, Goldilocks, uh, formerly of TNA. She was a backstage uh, interviewer and wore uh, all kinds of different hats with the company back in its formative days and has sort of stayed involved with the uh, wrestling business, also has a budding uh, music uh, career. I wanted to talk to her about the Speaking Out movement, and um, we got in touch and we had this conversation. And um, I should preface it, I don't do this this much, but it is, uh, uh, given the subject matter, um, I think it's important to say that her opinions are her own and... um, don't necessarily reflect uh, the views of anybody at Pro Wrestling Illustrated. But nevertheless, I think the perspective uh, she shares is worth listening to, whether you agree with it uh, or not. And a lot of it I did not agree with. Uh, but uh, I, I do think, if nothing else, I'm, I'm proud of this interview and maybe being a case study uh, for people who don't agree on a subject matter uh, even one as important, as serious as the, the speaking out uh, movement and some of the allegations uh, that have come up. Um, a case study in how people could share uh, very different perspectives and views on a subject matter and um, do so respectfully. And maybe at the end of conversation, um, she changed my mind on some things and maybe I changed her mind uh, on some things, and uh, nevertheless, I, th- I think with with this subject or so many others, um, certainly right now in the world, uh, I think very often you hear people pay lip service to the importance of having open conversations on some of these subjects, and um, really, that's that's not what they want. They want people to echo back to them their their own op- opinion or, or view. And if somebody uh, departs from uh, that view, uh, it could just kind of break down into a fight or insults or accusations. And so uh, I'm pretty proud of how we were able to uh, navigate a, a topic that we didn't necessarily agree on. And, and I also think it's important for uh, uh, folks to appreciate the different perspectives and sensibilities and value sets of um, different Americans. And uh, this being an election year, I think that's super important. And don't just assume that um, everybody grew up like you did, um, 
lives in a similar community to you, shares your uh, same values uh, or sensibilities or anything else. And, and I think it's important to be exposed to other people's uh, viewpoints, uh, even if they conflict with um, your own. And I maybe I'm making too much of, of all this. At the end of the day, um, it was a good conversation, and I hope to have uh, Goldie back on to talk about something a lot lighter because um, she certainly has a lot of uh, interesting stories to share. So uh, stay tuned uh, for that. Uh, right now, let me tell you about Pro Wrestling Illustrated Magazine and the brand new issue uh, that just dropped digitally, at least, uh, I think this past week. It features Charlotte on the cover, Charlotte Flair. And uh, my hot seat interview with her inside, where we cover uh, a lot of ground, everything from her move to NXT, winning the NXT title, working in front of these empty buildings uh, during uh, the pandemic, her relationship with uh, Andrade, and how that's changed her outlook on uh, wrestling, and um, even the prospect of, of maybe... Uh, expanding the flair family uh, or would it be the andrade family i guess but uh she talks about the potential of motherhood in, in the future whether it's in the cards for her and what that might mean um for her wrestling future so an absolutely newsworthy interview and uh, a lot more in this issue as well the 2020 pwi poll featuring um f- fans readers answering 50 of the hottest questions um, facing the wrestling industry, I curated this whole thing, and it was a lot of fun. Um, certainly, with with all that's going on in the world, there was a lot of kind of coronavirus-related questions um, in the poll, and fascinating to get people's uh, outlook uh, on that. Um, we've got a, a feature with MJF and uh, a longtime contributor to the magazine who we haven't heard from uh, in in a while. Doctor Sydney Basil comes out of retirement to uh, figure out uh, what the heck is wrong with uh, MJF. And so a lot of our old-timers have been back in the news as of late. we got Sidney Basil, we had uh, Matt Brock and uh, Liz Hunter on uh, AEW a couple weeks ago, so good to see some of the veterans of this magazine um, still getting work. Uh, Features on Alistair Black, on uh, Willie Mack, on NWA Women's Champion Thunder Rosa, on uh, Evolve star Josh Briggs, uh, independent wrestling star Nick Gage. So definitely the the magazine is changing some under the direction of uh, Kevin McElvaney. Uh, I think uh, it's a good direction, and it's cool to see some names that uh, maybe otherwise wouldn't uh, get that much press being featured in the magazine. So uh, you definitely want to check this one out, and the way to do that is to go to pwi-online.com and you can download the issue right away, the elec- the electronic edition, the digital edition, that is. Um, and it is customized uh, for your electronic uh, device. Or you can order uh, the print copy, certainly. That's kind of our bread and butter. And uh, either way, I think the way to go is to subscribe. And the longer you subscribe, the deeper the savings. You get half off the cover price. Um, so whatever you do, go to pwi-online.com to do it. Uh, you can also uh, subscribe to the podcast, please, once you got that computer open, and leave us a positive review wherever you get your podcasts. Um, you can uh, head over to Podbean, which has hosted us for a number of years, and uh, get us there. You can buy the PWI t-shirt and our family of t-shirts over at ProWrestlingTees.com. Uh, what else can you do? You can um, subscribe to the PWI weekly newsletter completely free. It comes to your inbox 
uh, every week. Just got mine today, and uh, there's always a lot of fun content in there put together uh, by Kevin McElvaney. Uh, some some throwback stuff from uh, classic editions of PWI from the past, some news, different features. Uh, so uh, definitely want to pick that up completely free of charge uh, to you and follow us on social media at official PWI on Twitter and Instagram and uh, find us on Facebook and even YouTube. We've got a YouTube channel uh, these days and uh, trying to add as much content as we can there. Uh, so please continue to support us. All right, right now, joined by my co-host, Brian Solomon. How's it going, Brian? Going pretty good, Al. How about yourself? Good, good. It's it's kind of nice to have a week where we're not necessarily uh, delving into too heavy uh, a subject matter. I mean, not, not that the world is any less crazy than it was when we last talked, but we've, we've covered uh, a lot of it uh, already, and there's actually... Um, some some fairly big wrestling news and, and events that have gone on over the last couple of weeks, so uh, it'll be fun to to chat uh, on that. Um, the, Wait, the Great American Bash. I'm sorry, again. We're gonna, we're gonna actually be talking about wrestling. That's amazing. Yeah, for one. I'm ready. I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Fighter Fest and the Great American Bash. The last two weeks, um, the Wednesday nights have been particularly fun with with both of the Wednesday night uh, shows kind of putting their their best foot uh, forward and putting on these pay per view like specials definitely some some tit for tat going on some some counter program uh kind of programming o- overall d- did did you like having these these two weeks wednesday nights where there was so much to choose from yeah i i did it, it really was the first time or i should say the best time since this whole wednesday night war thing started that it really reminded me of the height of the Monday Night Wars, where it was really like, oh my God, I have to switch to the other channel. I have to see what they're gonna do. Oh, this match is so good. I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, change the channel. That kind of thing. Like it really felt that way. And this is where competition really helps. I have to say, you, you could see it right in front of you. Um, yeah. the, a couple of things got me. Like like you said, just using. Uh, NXT kind of going with the Great American Bash uh, brand. I don't know if anybody noticed. They probably did that Cody wore a T-shirt yeah, to like the, the ring <laughs> that was, uh, you know, inspired by the original logo of the Great American Bash. Uh, it's weird to me. I never thought that I kind of thought that WWE was going to start backing off on the Dusty stuff just because of the whole like AEW connection. But but they are really doubling down on it. They are not backing off at all. But again, I think it all. It all speaks to the the competition. I mean, probably the best two nights of action overall, I would say, since the counter programming stuff started. But before we get into the content of the you know, the content of those shows, just just staying uh, on that point, um, do, do you think it's sort of like all's fair and, and love and war, and and this is uh, sort of healthy, you know, I don't know, friendly competition? But I don't know if you've heard Cody's uh, public reaction both to them using the Great American Bash brand and then the the other kind of shot they fired was reclaiming the Cody Rhodes um, trademark. And his public comments have been um, gracious, maybe even too gracious, sort of saying, I understand it's all business. You know, they're free to, they, to do what they like. Nothing personal. I get it. Is that the right way to handle it? Or, um, you know, is the reality that WWE is being kind of petty and vindictive here and and maybe don't deserve that benefit of the doubt? I think I think it's a little bit of both. So um, it's a complicated issue and it's kind of two pronged. So I do think that it's very petty for them to cling to the Cody Rhodes name. That part, 
I do think is a little ridiculous and vindictive. Um, what are they really getting out of that? I mean, I mean, no offense to Cody, but probably the highest profile, most successful part of his career. I mean, he'd probably agree has been since he left WWE. Sure, I mean, yeah. He was never even a, a main event top attraction there. So what are they really getting out of that other than just depriving him of using the name? You know, he, he, he has a point when he said, okay, look, I know I never used it before WWE, but the Rhodes name itself precedes WWE and it's in my family. You know, I could see a point could be made there. However, I, as much as I, I, I wish I, I didn't feel this way when it comes to all the dust, the, like great American bash and, and stuff that Dusty came up with, as he claims, and and is, and is true, as we know. I don't really think. I mean, the way that wrestling has always worked is there. There's not. It's just never been set up that way. So, in other words, when Dusty was coming up with those concepts, those were Crockett Promotions concepts and later WCW owned concepts. They were not considered or treated as Dusty Rhodes or Virgil Runnels intellectual property. I mean, it's just. If it was determined that that was not the case, that would be a major precedent to set in wrestling because then Pat Patterson could claim that he owns the Royal Rumble and things like that. You know, there's never been that kind of ownership in wrestling. So when WWE bought out WCW and all their trademarks, I mean, from a legal point of view, they bought all of Dusty's ideas that he contributed when he was an employee of WCW. So on the Cody Rhodes thing. While I think WWE has a legal leg to stand on, I think it is pretty crappy and and not really defensible and petty. But I think with the other stuff, I, I kind of side with WWE. I mean, they do own the rights to those terms, and they're not just going to give it up. And, and, again, and not only that, but give them up to their number one competitor. I, I just think it's unrealistic for them to expect that. What's interesting on some of this stuff is, and, and it's, this isn't the first time um, they've done it. I mean, they, they've resurrected Starcade as basically a house show that they do in um, November, December. And it, it you know, th there's such watered down versions of, of what they used to be that um, you could certainly make the point that they kind of hurt that brand. And um, the irony is that the only ones that they end up sort of hurting is is themselves and that's ex an exaggeration but but the point is they're in the starcade business and in the great american bash business they're the only ones that you know can profit from those names right now because it's all on the wwe network so it's just strange to me that they take these brands that that they own and that are worth something and then um you know i, th I think it's fair to say that they water them down and it's, and it's not a negative reflection of of um you know what nxt put on the last couple of weeks because i think they were fine shows but they were just, you know, good NXT shows. There's nothing about them that was, for for whatever it means to be the Great American Bash. And 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 again, it's not the first time they did it. They they resurrected the Great American Bash years ago. I think when Cody was still there, as yes. an episode of SmackDown, uh, <laughs> uh, once or twice. I remember. Um, so it it's just straight. The flip side of that is, you know, what and we had this conversation a few weeks ago with, with um, having such limited options right now to put on unique branded shows um, that that feel different when you're running them in the same location every week. You've got to pull out some of these um, ideas. And I guess, I mean, it's something, I, I suppose. You put like a sports car and a flag logo uh, up there and, and it gives it a unique feel. But um, I don't know, because they've created their own brand.
I don't know. I, I guess I really don't feel that strongly one way or the other. Just just shifting topics of a real quick while, while I, I remember it. Um, they they mentioned that I guess the word is that SummerSlam is now going to be in the Performance Center. Um, and any thoughts on that? And I have an idea of something they could do, and maybe they end up doing it, which would also kind of be you know borrowing from from WCW. Uh, but what do you think about SummerSlam now also being in the Performance Center? Well, I mean, I think it sucks, but yeah. but I think it's what needs to be done. You know, it's it's one of those things. It's like I, I'm I'm relieved that they're, I guess, seemingly and, and having, you know, 20 something cases break out in your company will do this to you. But uh, that they're seemingly coming to grips with actual reality and, and not just trying to pretend like nothing's going on. I mean. You know, we've seen what happens. We've seen, we saw what happened with WrestleMania. It, 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 no one is going to argue that it doesn't take away from the show. It certainly does, but it's the new normal, at least for now. I mean, I, I think probably, you know, off the top of my head, but this is just because it's always been my, you know, I, I've always been a, an in-ring kind of guy. I, I think what you do then is just you got to put as much focus as possible on on putting the best performances in into your matches as you can, you know, uh, to, to, to take away from or to distract people from the lack of spectacle. You know, now they've taken a, a page out of out of uh, AEW's book, which we didn't think they were going to do by having some people in the audience to kind of generate some kind of noise, which is good, although I think they should be wearing masks. But that's a whole other thing. I think but, they mostly are now, right? Didn't they have like some kind of mandate that you need to be wearing masks? Right. You know what? I think I'm I'm thinking of with AEW, which surprised me. Oh, AEW. Yeah, no, sure. Still you're, not. But you're right. You're right. But but I think you know it's one of those things. That, do I think it's great? No, I think it's terrible. But I think they need to do it. So it is what yeah. it is. Here's my thought on on SummerSlam, and and I want to be careful not to contradict any point I've I've made before. Um, but I do think they should try hard to create some kind of spectacle there and as safe as is possible have some fans there uh and here's some thoughts of of how maybe you do that and they get borrowing from a um a wcw gimmick from uh many years ago what if you put SummerSlam on a beach find uh, uh a location uh that Beaches are open, that people are congregating, um, hand out masks, try to maintain a safe social distance among them. You, you're not ticketing anything, right? So it's essentially come see a free show. Um, you know, you can have capacity uh, limits, 100 fans, 200 fans, something like that. Uh, but I think having it outdoors, you know, whether you could have the, the ocean in the background, the, the sand or something, even if it's not the beach, some kind of outdoor setting. Um, I think about to those old nitros, the, the spring break nitros, something like that, just to give it just to sort of uh, uh, brand it as, you know, this is the big biggest party of the summer or whatever they used to do it. Um, I, I do think they should find a way or try to find a way safely uh, to make this show different than than Extreme Rules and Backlash and Money in the Bank and even WrestleMania that have all been in um, the the Performance Center, if nothing else, and this would actually be safer, so this is an improvement in some ways, if nothing else, bring it outside. I, I think that would make a world of difference. Have you thought about maybe the Sturgis biker rally? <laughs> what could possibly go wrong there? Yeah, you know, if we're talking about old WCW ideas, maybe we could get Jay Leno involved. 
uh, it'll be it'll be a big hit. No, but I, I'm not trying to make light of the idea. I, I actually think that that would be a lot of fun. Um, I'm wondering if I know with WWE, they like to really kind of be in, in control of every little detail of every situation. And I guess it's it's harder to control those types of things. So, God, I can't even think of WWE doing a show like that. Can you at any time where it was like an outdoor kind of like uh, event where, you know, like those WCW shows where. The, the wrestling event would just be a part of something that was already happening, you know, you know that kind of a thing. Yeah, I, they've ha- I mean, I, I, I think to um, some of like the WrestleMania promotional stuff they did back in the 90s, whether it was Times Square, remember, or um, in Boston, I think they did it with, with Tyson, remember, in the middle of the, the city there. So that's not exactly the same. Uh, and, and, and that's not necessarily where this would be. I mean, I think you do brand it a SummerSlam and you have some kind of maybe gating to keep too many people from from congregating. Uh, but, you know, man, I, 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 I got to say, and this goes back to discussion about Fighter Fest and, and Great American Bash, which were both fun shows. But once again, I mean, it was really driven home when you see Keith Lee, you know, have that moment when the, the heavyweight championship first first double champ in NXT history, this real kind of special moment. And, you know, not quite crickets, but, you know, not not the most lively atmosphere. It, it, it drove home once again, like, man, it'd be great to have some fans back in, in these buildings. And it's what happened with Drew McIntyre, too, of course. Yeah. Like we talked about. Worse for Drew, you know, yeah. there was, that really was crickets. <laughs> Here's an idea, actually, just popped into my head. And this is another one of these, like, you know, kind of like I worked in Stanford insider sort of, uh, um, you know, tidbits. But there is a gorgeous park at Slash Beach right down the road from Titan Tower in Stanford called Cove Island Park. And if you've ever seen um, there's a there's a pretty well-known meme now and longtime readers of WWF magazine. Remember, there was a photo shoot of Randy Savage where he's sitting on like these rocks on a beach. Have you ever seen Oh yeah, that? sure, yeah. It's a pretty iconic picture now. He's got like his shades on. He's in like these super that was tight jeans. That was at oh, Cove wow. Island Park. Yeah, which is this beautiful. I mean beautiful park. I used to go there for lunch all the time in the summer. Right down the road. It's like just half a mile down the road from Titan Tower and it's 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 partly kind of a green park and then it it leads right into a beach and there's rocks and everything it's big enough that you could definitely have something like that there and it's literally down the street so i uh, that would be that would be my pick if they were going to do it so easy so simple and right by their office and it's warm out in connecticut so why not but it's also Connecticut, and and I think restrictions in the Northeast oh. are probably a lot more than than other parts of the country, right? I so never- I think you could do that maybe, but but not with the fans, right? You know, um, right. I mean, you could keep on doing the simulated fans, I suppose, the the NXT uh, trainees, and and that would be an improvement. I mean, I, I for, for putting aside how many fan real fans or, or or not real fans you could get there, um, I think it would benefit them tremendously just to take it outside. You know, just just some sunlight. You know, you run into some complications. Is the weather going to cooperate that day or what have you? But, um, you know, throw a, a, a tarp over the ring. I got to tell you, a little bit of an aside, one of my most memorable wrestling experiences ever. This was back in 1998, I believe. Um, and I had heard, uh, I remember relatively like last minute, that WCW was filming uh, a show for MTV at Chelsea Piers in, in Manhattan. And I was a super fan then. 
Um, and so grab my buddy and my then girlfriend uh, and head down to Chelsea Piers. And what the gimmick was supposed to be was two wrestlers would wrestle and then the winner would um, would pick the video, the music video that they would show. Uh, this is how long ago this was MTV was still showing music videos. Yeah. And um, they did one match. I think it was like Public mm-hmm. Enemy and I don't know who it was. It might have been like um, High Voltage or something like that. And it's pouring rain and everybody just slipping all over the place. It gets super dangerous. And then the, the rest of the show, uh, they had to on the fly change it. And so it was, you know, they do an entrance for one wrestler and do another entrance for another wrestler. And they just cut promos in the ring. And I don't I don't remember beyond that. Like, would, would somebody win by cutting the better promo and I don't know. <laughs> it's all to say this is what the the, the troubles of, of running outdoors in the summer in in the northeast or anywhere, I guess. I think I remember reading about that in the Observer. Now that you mention it, uh, it is ringing a bell. I would say that that is probably why that girl is your former girlfriend. <laughs> and, well, and my now wife. No. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, never mind. Same one. <laughs> it somehow worked out. <laughs> Yeah, but but uh, yeah, I and and now having got to a couple of WrestleManias at at MetLife Stadium in the last few years, uh, weather's just super fickle. You got to be super careful. But but in the summer, um, probably what you're gonna deal with is a lot of heat. And if it rains, you get a, a canopy over the ring and you should be fine. But um, they should at least think about that because because I do think just the open space versus the confines of the performance center um, make for a better uh, TV show. And it's one of the reasons I think that. AEW on any given week is more lively than than NXT is because they've got that outdoor arena that just just looks better on on TV. Yeah. Um, so let, let's talk a bit about uh, uh, both shows. I touched on it already. It's probably the biggest story coming out of either show. Keith Lee winning um, the the title from Adam Cole, ending Adam's Cole Adam Cole's uh, record long uh, reign. Um, really really solid solid match. Um, I've I've come to be a, a, a fan of, of Keith Lee. I like him a lot. Uh, part of it is I got to interview him for the magazine a couple months back and, and uh, just a personable, seems like a, a, a good guy. Um, and certainly I, I think cut from that mold of NXT champion, probably the hottest act uh, in, in the company right now. Uh, but I want to ask you this too. I mean, this, this moment uh, in time, uh, with with all the news about racial injustice and maybe WWE looking uh, inward at their own roster and what steps they could take to address some of this, D- do you think Keith Lee wins the championship in a different moment uh, in time? Um, and and if if not, if this was at least partially motivated by that, is that a bad thing? Well, it, it doesn't feel manufactured to me, which I know is an ironic thing to say because you know, everything in wrestling is manufactured. But it doesn't. In other words, uh, I think this was going to happen anyway. I really do. I agree. Which I think is a good thing because it doesn't feel ham-fisted or contrived. It doesn't feel like they just picked somebody who didn't deserve it just out of some you know kind of clumsy attempt to do something. This feels like it was going to happen. I mean, I don't know, maybe not at this precise moment, but he was absolutely a star on the rise. And you could see that he was growing into the face of NXT. I mean, like you said, he's he's probably the most over guy that they have. It's really encouraging to hear, as I have heard, that Vince McMahon is really high on him because, you know, you you worry sometimes about guys that don't fit the 
the the stereotypical cookie cutter look that he always the body type like. is, right is the right thing. Yeah, I still see Keith Lee and I'm and and I think like oh I don't know what what Vince is gonna think about that apparently um, he loves him so that's yeah. what I've so but which is which is a good thing you can't always guarantee that just because someone gets a push in NXT because it seems like he doesn't really have a lot of day to day influence there which is why he seems to take such pleasure in burying everybody that they that they bring up from there yeah. But uh, but but I think this was like I said, I think this was going to happen. I think it's great that it happened. And you know what? Um, because of the moment and everything else, I think that's an extra added bonus to have because it's it's amazing to think about even in this day and age, how few um, black athletes there have been, especially in WC, uh, WWE, who have had the top world titles or, or top heavyweight titles. It's it's still an extremely short list. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I agree with you a hundred percent. I do think that this was probably going to happen one way or the other. That it happened right now was was fortuitous, and um, you know, I, I I think it it works out for WWE. Uh, but I don't I don't think it was because of that. I don't you know did it right. factor right. in their, their decision making somewhat? Maybe, uh, but he was absolutely uh, on this trajectory uh, as well. He he should be. Uh, so yeah, really, really happy for him. Um, the, the, the other point that I just thought of, uh, you raising that point is what ha- happens to Adam Cole now? Because when you talk about body, body types, I'd be more concerned for Adam Cole than I would for, uh, Keith Lee, uh, it, it, especially, and, and usually if you look at the history of NXT champions, you get a guy who had the title, um, wore it for a while and nobody's worn it as long as Adam Cole, uh, has and then usually the the move is he loses it and he moves to to the main roster either raw or smackdown um that really concerns with me with with adam cole i just I, and i think we talked about it before but i just don't see him being a good fit on raw or smackdown i agree and i think also um it's it's based a lot on what we've seen so maybe once upon a time you know 5 6 7 years ago when we were a little more naive about that process, we might have said, oh, yeah, he's a great hand. He's a great talent in NXT, and he's going to just tear the house down on the main roster. But there's just been this history of taking these guys that seem like sure things and and not handling, handling yeah. them well. And that very often is connected to their size. So I, I can't help but think but that, yeah, he would be – just the classic example of that happening. And I think it's just better for him to stay put. And the way things are set up now and have been for a while where NXT is no longer a feeder system. I mean, they're a brand on their own. Um, I see no reason why he can't just stay there and stay in the mix. And I mean, stay there indefinitely. And, and you know, he might prefer that too. I mean, I think it's that's nothing that's changed is that there used to be uh, – you know, all, all these NXT wrestlers were just so eager to move on to kind of graduate. And you're hearing that that's changing, uh, too. And not just because NXT has kind of increased its profile. It's on USA every week and and there's more parity among the three brands, but also um, for for lifestyle. Right. I, I interviewed Charlotte for the the issue that just came out and she talked about, I, I guess, her and, and uh, Andrade uh, got a home now in Orlando or near Orlando and how great it's been for her since they've been operating out of the performance center, when you think about a, a wrestler's lifestyle, be, being able to sleep in your own bed every night uh, is is huge. So I, I imagine there's a lot of wrestlers who are in no rush 
to to leave NXT uh, uh, right now. Even though wherever whether you're on Raw, SmackDown, or wherever right now, everybody's out of Orlando. But um, I guess the the uh, the main rosters are sort of kind of getting a taste of what it's like to work on NXT and and essentially just like commuting to work every day, whatever it is, 15, 20 minute commute. And, and going back to your own bed at night is, is um, and that'll add years to your career. But uh, Adam Cole, you know, I was just putting together his, um, we're working on the PWI 500. So so part of the, the job, uh, as you've come to know now, is you got to look up the heights, got to look up the weights officially, uh, all that stuff. And his was like officially two, you know, six foot, I think, and like 210. And I was like, get the hell out of here. I mean, <laughs> there's no way. No. You, look, you look at that guy and, and years ago, um, when one, uh, there was like a PWI staff gathering, we went to see, uh, the, uh, the Super 8 tournament, the ECWA Super 8 tournament years ago. And I don't know if he won, I think he won that one or no, I think maybe Tommaso actually won that one, but we all went out to eat afterwards, uh, with, with Adam Cole. Uh, and I remember being blown away by how small he was, you know, uh, he, he is a small, small guy, even, among small guys, he's a small guy, so uh, that's tough. And and I and and honestly, as much as WWE often gets heat for stuff like this, when you talk about some extremes, I get it. I I get that it it would be difficult to do Adam Cole versus I don't know uh, Brock Lesnar certainly, um, credibly, you know. But then they just did Adam Cole and, and Keith Lee, and Keith Lee is about as big a guy as you're gonna have, and and that worked out. So, uh, but but yeah, it's a challenge for him. And he, it, it's funny that he's such a super talent. He just won Wrestler of the Year for us last year. Um, is is sure to do well in the 500 uh, this year. And uh, he's a guy that you you still really worry about in WWE uh, in in because of those dimensions. Because everywhere else, I mean, you feel like this guy is is so polished. Uh, but there's there's not much you could do. Well, there's something you could do about uh, some of that mass and things like that, but but I wouldn't recommend it for him. Um, anyhow, let's talk about some of the the other happenings over on on AEW. Uh, uh, the the one that comes to mind, I mean, similar to kind of the, their own star being born, and it didn't just happen um, last night, but over the last few months, is Orange Cassidy, right? I mean, if if there's like somebody of AEW that that kind of became a star during the the pandemic era. Uh, it, it's been Orange Cassidy and, you know, one of my gauges also always for like what's getting over is my kids because they're not terribly interested in wrestling, but every once in a while there's an act that, that catches their eye and, and they're into Keith Lee too, you know, so, so, uh, that's something, but Orange Cassidy is just, he's got something, right? I mean, that he's so different than everybody else and this kind of blase, uh, attitude and his look and his wrestling style. Um, you know, and with with Moxley falling out because of uh, the COVID-19 and his wife having it, he essentially got to, to headline a fighter fest against Chris Jericho. And I thought um, held his own. What, what do you see as the upside for Orange Cassidy? I have to say that I've been I have been one of the naysayers, uh, you know, for a while on on Orange Cassidy as a character. Um, I have been coming around and I'm going to explain why, you know, in the beginning, I thought, okay, this is a guy, this is a gimmick that I can see works a lot better on the indie circuit than it would be on a television show because Mm -hmm. 
there's uh, what my my gripe on it was it doesn't really ha- there's nowhere to go with it and so i feel like uh, on uh, if it's an indie show and you're only seeing him one time and then there's no continuity or whatever yeah it's very amusing it's funny it's clever it's different but what happens when you're seeing this guy every week or you know relatively often and you know is this going to get old where do you go with this at some point he's got to throw down like something's got to happen like what happened you know uh, the the gag will wear off, and I feel that AEW so far has been doing a really damn good job of handling that issue with him. Because I love what I love about this character now that has developed is the sense of like if you push him too far. Yes. And if I'm wrong, but I don't think this was a part of the gimmick before. But if you push him too far, then he snaps and he goes off. And I think that's great because it's like you know there's a build for that, and so when it happens. The, the crowd, hypothetically, the, the <laughs> both crowd, of them, yeah, pops for it, and you, as a viewer, you pop for it and you wait for it, and it's like it's almost like waiting for Banner to turn into the Hulk yeah. or something on the old TV show. It it it's very cool, and it's given the character some legs and somewhere to go with it, which I think was the biggest problem. So I'm coming around, and and it's like I always say about it too. It's like if it works, go with it. If it's making money, if it's getting a response go with it. It doesn't, you know, personal tastes aside, you got to go with it. And I think, yeah, he's, he's one of the hottest, um, acts that they have He's one, like you said, like you said, your kids got into it. It's the same thing with me. Like my wife who really is not a wrestling fan, she's tolerated it for 10 years with me, but, but she loves Orange Cassidy. My dad, yeah. who's like my dad, who's like, Hey, whatever happened to Roddy Piper? You know, he, he'll, he'll watch the, the show with me now and then, and that will kill him. He, he will, he will just be so amused by it. So there's, so there's something there. You can't deny it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, from the second he comes out and it's, you know, from wherever, weighing whatever. I mean, it just works. Right. Uh, and, and the hands in the pockets, the the, the whole thing. Um, yeah, I, I I think he's money. And you're right, it had to evolve. It couldn't be that all the time. Uh, and I think Jericho is just the right guy. You you, you need uh, essentially sort of the straight man that is going to play off of it. And Jericho's perfect for that. Um, I think it was the right move for, for Jericho to win last night. I mean, he's, he's still your top guy and you got to protect him. But uh, who I mean, on a roster that is you know loaded with with all this talent from Kenny Omega to to Pac and, and all this kind of internationally acclaimed uh, talent, Arch Cassidy was brought in as almost kind of comic relief to, to you know the crony to the best friends. And uh, it, it's it's so cool because this is what you love about wrestling is right when when there is this true organic, um, rise to stardom, you know, n- not the kind of Lex Express artificial uh, kind of thing, but just and, and but what's fascinating here is that it happens with without the fans in the building, you know, and that's one of the things that's been a mystery about Drew McIntyre is how truly over is he um, right. if if you can't gauge it, you know, you would think the same thing would happen um, with Orange Cassidy, yet there is an understanding and sort of it's just sort of like undeniable that like no, this guy is getting over. And I know there've been some quarter hour ratings that might say otherwise and stuff like that, but I think you could feel it that they've got something with it. I want to thank uh, Brian Solomon as always uh, for the conversation. Uh, if it feels like uh, I cut it short, uh, it's because uh, we went on to have a pretty lengthy discussion about uh, the undertaker and his retirement uh, or potential retirement and the documentary 
that I think is really interesting, and there's no time for it here, so we're going to put that aside, feature it on uh, the next podcast, and uh, get to my interview with uh, Goldilocks, uh, formerly of TNA. Uh, you can still listen to her podcast, Goldie's Closet, over at uh, Vince Russo's podcast a network which you could find at uh, russobrand.com I believe. You could also follow uh, Goldie's uh, music career over at goldilocksband.com uh, uh, Again, I'll preface it by saying uh, her opinions are her own and uh, don't necessarily reflect uh, the views of anybody at Pro Wrestling Illustrated but without any further ado, here is Goldilocks. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this on, on relatively uh, short notice. No um, oh, worries. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, when, when this whole controversy came about, this um, hashtag speaking out uh, movement, I don't know how closely you've been following it, uh, but I definitely wanted to have a, a, a woman with some notoriety uh, from the wrestling business, uh, but but I thought you, you fit especially well, um, both because... You know, one of the, the concerns I've heard is that people who are still very much in the business are, are scared, um, have concerns about saying too much because they worry about their future in the business. And um, also, I think folks who came into the wrestling business as kind of like super fans and, you know, uh, uh, really loving the business might also have a different take. So I think you're you're um, a good fit both because of the way you came into the business and how you've left the business. I so, appreciate that so much. Yeah. Anyhow, let, let, let me get your general thoughts. I mean, it, it's been a few weeks now in the middle of, of um, everything else going on with COVID and, and how that's turned uh, the entire world and certainly the wrestling world kind of upside down. Uh, you have this whole movement that begins on social media uh, with a number of women in wrestling, both wrestlers and, and just personalities in wrestling and even some fans um, talking about different kinds of abuse that they suffered Um sexual uh, misconduct uh, accusations and and there's a range from verbal abuse all the way um to to physical abuse that that essentially would be rape and and uh, a lot of promotions have been uh, have have been impacted by this uh, a lot of careers i think have have been uh, hurt or or permanently sort of destroyed uh, by this and so w- I don't know how much you followed it, but but seeing that, did it come as a as is, is this the wrestling business that you knew from when when you were involved more closely? You know, I always try to take a very neutral approach on everything just because I come from a different school than, you know, say some of my coworkers, bandmates who are in their early 20s. Like I come from a different a world as my mother came from a different world. My mom had me when she was 45 years old. And I say Al, correct? Yes. <laughs> she had me when she was 45. She was very seasoned, very mature. And having an older mom, I think, gave me a different lens to see things through. So you're talking about a woman who lived through the Depression, who was impoverished, who I didn't find out till after she died dealt with some really hardcore issues, subject matter for a child. So I'll give you a story real quickly so that you can understand where I come from. Um, I found out after my mom died that one of our family members was raped and repeatedly abused every summer at a camp that they would go to. My mom was 12 and her sister was eight. Um, Her sister is now uh, homosexual 
And I guess people felt as though because they knew even at a young age that she was butch or showing signs of homosexuality that I guess that was okay for them, you know, to rape and abuse her because, I mean, do you see what I'm saying? Like she she swung a different way anyway. So I found out after my mom passed when my aunt always showed me favor that my aunt told my mom, I don't want to go back to that place because they would take my aunt into another bedroom, make them sleep in the same, make her sleep in the same bed and then rape her repeatedly every summer since I guess she was four, three. And so my aunt said, please to my mom, don't tell anybody because it'll just upset the apple cart much as I'm making a comparison to, you know, your job, your wrestling job, your, where you stand in the, in the, in the promotion. And my mom took it upon herself as a 12 year old to get up in the middle of the night and walk seven miles back to the home, say that my aunt had a upset stomach or something and just not go into detail about why they walked home. Now she's 12 and this other relative is eight. And my aunt said nothing was ever said about it um, because more abuse would have come from that. She probably would have been physically beaten because of it, that my mom covered up the whole thing, took care of it, handled it, and just dealt with it with a more quiet, subdued approach. Now, it was handled. Was it right? No. But I think my mom knew that by exposing or doing whatever, that it would just cause more people in the family pain and she just wanted it to take care of it. So that's that's what I come from is you don't keep sustaining the abuse, but it's also wasn't something that was talked about back then um, because it usually caused more crapola to follow. And especially it was kids. So that's my lens. Handle it on your own. Take care of business and don't necessarily make it a mess for people that it might hurt other women. It might hurt other men. It might, people might be falsely accused. I get what women are doing and I know it's got to be really, really hard to speak out. So again, I come from a different school. I'm learning. I'm seeing what other people are doing. I'm seeing how they're paving the way, but I'll take you to a personal experience that I had back in wrestling. And I won't say the, the company, but it was TNA that, that the problem occurred where we were right in the beginning of it all. And I always conducted myself with as much professionalism as I knew how at the time, Al. And I, I guess somebody not in TNA's office, but in their, um, the people that were the, that held the, the purse strings, the people that were investing, mm-hmm. somebody got my phone number and started calling me and leaving messages that were very, very disgusting and inappropriate Al. And I didn't know what to do. I'd never talked to this person. I'd never exchanged glances or they just took it upon themselves to get my number. Like they needed it to talk about. They wanted me to sing the national anthem. I remember that's how it started out. Hi, this is so-and-so from the investment office and we would like you to, you know, sing the national anthem. So of course I was very excited about it all. And, um, yep. Yep. And, and then all of a sudden I get messages, um, drunk, very drunken, saying that he wants to blank my very blank, blank, blank. And I mean, like the most descriptive, disgusting stuff ever. And I didn't know what to do. And it wouldn't stop. He would call me and he would call me because here I'm thinking, Al, what do I do when this is the person that's basically subsidizing this company's subsidizing this whole brand new promotion? So I went to Jerry and Jeff. This is documented in, in Jerry's book. 
And I said, what do you want me to do? Here is the tape of what he's saying. And I, they, they asked for the tape. Of course, I made a duplicate. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Jeff and Jerry said, if you say anything, then our money goes away. And I looked mm-hmm. around at the bleachers at the TNA Nashville Asylum, at the fairgrounds, and I knew that all my new friends would lose their job, their, their push, their rub, their opportunity. So I went to the authorities, did, again, I'm kind of going back to my mom's initial story, and I said, what do you want me to do? They panicked. Um, <laughs> I can say now it's been 18 freaking years, right? Yeah. Uh, they started to bring prostitutes to the, to the event so that the guy the guy would leave me alone. Oh so, my goodness. Wow. You know, I mean, that's the truth. And I mean, in hindsight, they did what they did the best job that they knew how to handle it. Like they just thought if they got some somebody else to take the heat that was paid to do it and wanted to do it, that 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 would that would that would handle things. And you know what? I look at AJ Styles now. And sometimes I walk into fuel stations and I see his cardboard cutouts for whatever gimmick he's promoting and, you know, standing behind company he's locking arms with. And I wonder if I would have blown the whistle back then, where would he be now? Where would CM Punk be? Where would a lot of these superstars that really got a great shine and a great push from their early TNA days, where would they be right now? Um, I'm fine. I wasn't that traumatized by it. And they took the heat off of me. And you know what? Eventually that guy got fired for sexual harassment. He was gone. So karma, Al, is a bitch. And usually usually I try to stay kind of neutral because karma will bite everybody's ass that it is intended to bite. And that be the men or the women. Hey, hey, hey. The women in this business, because I know plenty of women who are sexually abusing, verbally abusing, mentally abusing men. I know plenty of women. It's not just men. So we got to, if you're going to call, call, then you got to keep an equal playing field. I know plenty of women and I know plenty of men and they will in turn get theirs. You know what I'm saying? So I I try to stay neutral because I'm not there. I don't know what happened in that bedroom or I don't know what happened backstage or back in the locker room. I wasn't there. So Al, all I can tell you and the people listening is I had a real hardcore father growing up who kept my ass in line. And he always, always taught me to look within, be be proactive, be preventative and take care of my own shit and make sure I'm walking the right line before I go judging other people. That's where I stand on things. Right. It, it's a fascinating take. And, and um, I, I anticipate one that would be controversial for, for a lot of people. I'm saying go about it the right way. Like when when they when that happened to me after three or four calls, go through the proper channels, go through the proper channels and say, this is what happens. This is what happened to me. Now, I'm not I'm not saying what anybody is. I, I don't criticize. I don't judge. I don't give accolades to people because I, I can't, because I, I, I don't have all of the information. I am not there. So right. I don't jump on necessarily a bandwagon when I don't have, I go by facts. And, and again, I, I hear, yeah, yeah. Facts, and then it became uh, the, the Jarrett's call, right? I mean, you, you, you did your due diligence by letting them know what was going on. And then it really became um, their call. If, if the, uh, if, if Jerry Jarrett had made the call in that situation, to 
let the higher ups at the investment company uh, know what was going on or, or even take it a step further and, and contact law enforcement authorities. Um, would you have been OK with that? I I, I would have. I don't I don't know. I was a young kid. Like yeah. I said, I knew that if I just started talking a bunch of stuff. Like I, I didn't tell anybody. I went right to the proper channels and did. I so I don't even know how to answer that question. Were like, you okay with what he did with 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 the measures that he took to uh, address the situation? The like I said, a lady of the evening was called. The heat was off of me. The heat was off of any other woman. So like but you they were the, basically. But you were the, that was wronged here, right? I mean, um, was there a part of you that wanted, you know, your pound of flesh for for the fact that? Um, this guy mistreated you and disrespected you B- beyond, you know, I, let's hire a hooker to you know, <laughs> fulfill his, his urges. Um, did, did you want this guy to have this comeuppance for what he did to you? I think at the time at the t- here's the thing, and maybe this can help shed some light on things at the time. That's a great question, Alec. You're brilliant. I've never, <laughs> I've never thought of it at the time. I was so worried about not myself but my friends, yeah. honestly, honest to God, I am a very nurturing, caring person. I'm a bitch. I'm sure some people think, but, um, I was so concerned with everything going away for all of these people. There was a look in all of these wrestlers, workers, jobbers eyes when they would sit on those, those bleachers at the, at the asylum. I remember they are, everybody just had this look of, how long is this going to last? Mm-hmm. Am I going to make it? Am I going to get a push? Am I going to get a rub? And for any any business, not wrestling, anything, any business, there's just always this like uncertainty and this like terrifying thing pit in your stomach wondering how long is this going to last? Like all I was thinking of is I have to do everything that I can do to keep this going and I don't want to do anything to compromise it or disrupt it. I wasn't thinking about myself, Al, if I was thinking about myself, now think about this. This is a company that is basically paying for TNA. It's paying for impact. This was a big, big, big company. Yes. If I was thinking about myself, I would have called my lawyer, who my lawyer, my lawyer, was the lawyer that started the entire promotion. She was the Jarrett's lawyer. She was my entertainment lawyer. That's how I got this gig, was auditioning through her telling me. If I would have told her, she would have seen red as a woman. She was a woman. And she would have sued. She wouldn't have given a rat's ass about anything. She's in it for her money, for her dime. I'm not saying that. Let me take that back. Retract. In my opinion, she could have taken them for every dime. Um just based on previous experiences I've had with lawyers, I can't say she would have. I'm saying I was afraid to tell her about it because I knew, because I think I could have gotten millions of dollars from that. Honestly, back then with the amount of money that they had giving on the line. So obviously I wasn't thinking about my own retribution, my own vendetta. I wasn't thinking about that at all. I was honestly thinking of protecting my friends because in a short time I grew to love all of these men and women, a few women, very deeply. And I go on the record as of saying the entire time that I started with TNA in 2002 to 2020, where on Vince Russo's brand and network, Goldie's Closet, 
the podcast that I have every week that I've had for almost three years now, either with Vince or on my own, in 18 years, 19 almost, zero. I've had zero accounts of anything. Nothing happened to me except for that one person who was with was the liaison for, for a, a separate party having nothing to do with wrestling, just the financial backing. I've had zero encounters with any sexual confrontation, abuse at all. Nothing. Absolutely me, zero. Let me, let me ask you more uh, about that and, and, and moving on from, from this incident with, with someone who, as you mentioned, is not directly related to, to the wrestling business, but um, that, that locker room in, in TNA when, when you were uh, a part of it. And, and also one thing that I think is so different sort of generationally now from even um, when you were in it is that I mentioned there, there, there were a lot of days where you were the only woman uh, uh in that locker room or, or there weren't very many, right? There weren't, uh, very, there weren't very many. And I've got stories about that because any problem that I had that I saw, cause I saw some bullshit where I wanted to knock the shit out of a bitch. And now I, I, I literally felt my hands clenching up. Like I wanted to beat her ass for how she was acting. Yeah. And I got, I got pretty mad. Like I got pretty hot about it because there was somebody that acted inappropriately. I thought, and instead of, Taking it to the streets, I went up to her and said, act right. You're not you're not doing a good job with how you're acting right now. You are not acting appropriately. You're making me and the other women angry. You are disrespecting us as a female. Stop. Put this coat on. Stop walking around nude. Your bit mm. is done. Your tits have been exposed. The job is over. Now act right. She put on the robe. We never had words again. She never strutted around after a bit where she was n- n- naked. It, I mean, I'm just saying, like, I, I I, am somebody, Al, that goes up to somebody the minute it happens, and I try to fix it. At, outside of that performer, was it – how sexually charged was the, the, the locker room when you've got uh, a bunch of men, a lot of them, I imagine, in, in their 20s? Um, and living life on, on the road, either single Zero. or away from their spouses, Zero. Zero. It, it, none of that going on. When I was there, I'm not discrediting anybody else. I'm saying my whole time until more women started coming in and it, I don't want to say that because it, it, I never saw any dudes disrespecting anybody. Uh, honest to God, um, most of the men were so concern with their spots. I mean, let me take you backstage. This is what it looks like for me. This is what it looks like for me. And I'm not saying that crap doesn't happen everywhere. And now, and it was a different time for me. I don't know. This is what I saw. I saw dudes in quads, in duos, in trios, quads, usually quads, usually two and two running matches, running spots. They honestly, the guys, in the locker room had no time for me and the other girls that were there, Trinity, badass mother trucker, Kim, uh, Kim, uh, what was her name? Desire, um, Athena, some of the other women, it was so like hardcore pro, like there just wasn't any BS going on. I don't know what happens afterwards. I didn't go to those parties. I, I didn't, I, I, I went and showed my face at, the alehouse or I showed my face at Hooters or 
occasionally we'd hit a couple strip clubs if they were open till 5 a.m. I wasn't interested in what was going on. And usually the guys weren't either. It was just the only place that was open. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. and then everybody went back to their rooms or they went to the airport. So I, I just, I didn't see a lot of stuff going on. Um, I don't know where that stuff happens. I don't know if it's late night or I, I don't know because I didn't experience it. I, I just want to go on record as saying that every single guy that I ever worked with at TNA or even some of the indies, they were so good to me. They were wonderful. Like I never. I was going to say the, the, the flip side of that, were they protective of you? If maybe a fan got out of line or something like that, did, did you feel Al, a fan never got out of line with me. I think they know I would knock the shit out of them. <laughs> what, did, did the men in the locker room over the years, though, did did um, they they take care of you in a way? I mean, did, did they look at you as, and I don't want to exaggerate things, but was it more kind of like a, little, a, a sister vibe? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Now, I know some of them had, were, had a crush on me or whatever. I could go through the list and name 30 men right now that treated me like I was their sister. Completely protective great advice, helping me. And I knew like they shined on me a little bit, but never crossed the line, not even, and, 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 and it wouldn't be crossing the line to say, I think you're beautiful. I like you. I think you're talented. Could we go out sometime? Not right. even that. Not that even that. Be board, right? that, not that. even that. Not even that. So I'm not discrediting what's going on. Everybody's got their own story, their own lens, their own experience. Um, I just really want people to know that that there were some people that did have a great experience, and and I did. Now, music-wise, different story. I was going to ask you because I think it's fascinating that you 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 kind of um, bridge these two worlds, and and both of them have some reputation for this. So, comparing those two is some of the accusations you've heard coming as of late from from the wrestling world. Does that sound more like what you've experienced in the music world? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. From I, 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 I've got a, a whole studio full of things that I cried calling my dad or when I was living at home saying I've got to leave again, again, I've got to leave this situation. Dad, dad, I'm 12 years old riding my bike to a studio. I need to leave. Dad, I'm 14 years old. I'm at the studio. They're doing great things for me. Sob, sob, sob. The dry heave girl caught cry. Only a girl can do it. You know, <laughs> you know, I've got to leave. Well, kid, what do they have that you need? Dad, I need an M1 keyboard. Granted, it was my modeling and commercial money that paid for it. But every time I needed something, it was always because a man was severely abusing me, either trying to sexually, of which he got a knock to the nuts or a punch or I up threw stuff at people. I was very violent because at an early age in modeling, seven, eight years old, I was in the theater and I saw shit going down. But again, go back to the beginning of the story. Look who I was raised by, a 45-year-old woman who was terminally ill when she had me and just lasted a lifetime of insanity with the, the money that I made went to pump into my mom's medical treatments to keep her going. And I'm very proud of that. But I was raised by a badass bitch. So the minute that anything happened, again, I didn't just blow the whistle all over town and say, you know, this recording studio sucks. And this I warned everybody in my own way, but got the hell out of there because I just I, I, I wasn't going to have it. I knew that it wasn't right. 
So I did my, that's my take on it. My interpretation is to haul ass, to get out of there, call my dad, say, dad, I, I can't go to this place anymore. But I mean, bro, when I was in modeling, I was five, six, seven years old. And the photographer that we had, that was the modeling agency's staff photographer, he would touch me on the back. He would touch me on the back of the neck. And I was just like, I was an old seven-year-old. I've already been working since I was three in commercials. I already knew what time it was. I had an advantage probably over a lot of these women that are coming out because I was hardcore. Like, And I'm like, I'm not going back to that guy. And my dad said, what the hell are you talking about? And I said, I don't like him. I don't like the feeling that I get around him, dad. And he said, oh, moon, you're just making things up. I said, you know what, dad? I'm. This is me at seven. I'm not making anything up. The guy's an effing creep. Yes, I used the F word when I was seven because I was jobbing. By the time I was three, I said, the guy's a creep. He said, you got to quit telling stories. I said, I don't like him. Fast forward to two years later. No, it was a year later. I was eight years old and I was in the living room and the six o'clock news came on. And my dad was behind me in that old lazy boy shitty chair that we all grew up having. And I was in front of him. Indian style, if I may say that. I don't know if that's offensive these days, politically correct or not, but my legs were crossed. Like, what, what do they call it? Crisscross applesauce. That's what my kids Great. call it. Okay. Well, I grew up in <laughs> Minneapolis, Minnesota with a bunch of bunch of American Indians, and the Indians called it Indian style. <laughs> so crisscross applesauce, sitting in front of the TV, breaking news, 6 p.m., look who's getting carried out in handcuffs, hands behind his back for the largest child pornography ring in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Right. Oh. And my neck turned slowly back like the exorcist, <laughs> back to my dad when I, I looked I, at him. I think that raises an interesting point, not just about that guy, but also your 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 experience in in um, in, in TNA with the investment uh, guy is uh, it sounds like, you know, the strategy you take is protect myself. Right. Make sure that that um, do my best to not become a victim. Uh, yes. But do, do you feel that there's a responsibility beyond that to protect others? Right. So now, look, when you're seven, eight years old, that nobody's expecting you to do very much. Uh, but well, let's talk about it from the lens of, of the people who are raising a lot of these concerns. Now, going to social media, kind of taking a public route to um, uh, discuss some of the stuff. Is, is there something to be said for for the potential in doing that, of preventing it from happening to somebody else? So beyond the experiences of, um, of these people who say that um, they were harmed, but yep. getting it out there to make sure it doesn't happen to somebody else. Again, I, I didn't have social media back then. There wasn't right. social sure. media back then. I don't know what I would have done back then if there would have been social media. I don't know if things were happening to me right now. I don't know how I would handle it. So that's like, it's, it's I always, again, I want to take a neutral stance on things because I can't even follow the movement at all because everybody's screaming at each other. So mm -hmm. is it, is it, is it being handled then? I mean, it's just, it's a constant screaming match. I had to not look at it anymore. It almost backfired on me because it's one ver one person's word versus another versus another versus another. And I don't have all the facts. And it just seems like everybody's just angry and screaming. And there's so much screaming that I, I don't even know who's been abused. I know one person. I know that, um, is it AWA's? What's his name that got fired? The first person that started this? What was it? What's his name? NWA. Are you talking about uh, uh, Dave Lagana or mm -hmm. are you talking about? 
Are you talking that's about the a first, or, That's or? the first one. No, I'm saying Dave Lagana was the first person yes, okay. that I saw in this conversation to be fired. This was mm-hmm. the first the first person. Well, I think he, he says that he resigned. That That's his story. Whatever. Whatever you call it. Um, but I don't know all of the story. And I tried to find out all of the story. And it's just a bunch of people screaming. Yeah. Yeah. So ha- I don't even I don't I'm just saying like all of the screaming has diluted what really happened. Like I wanted to know the story and I didn't get to the story because of everybody has the right on social media to speak their mind. Now I don't know what the story is. Do you know the story? I mean, there's so many out there. I certainly haven't followed all of them, but but there are a lot and, and there's a range. And and let, let me ask you about one kind of um, byproduct of all this is uh, a, a push to to maybe put in some some reforms to protect uh, at least some younger workers. And I guess we're mostly talking about uh, women. But um, do you think it makes sense to, to have like um, uh, age restrictions for training and, and, and things like that? I mean, you you hear stories about a lot of, you know, one of the issues that's come up in, in some of these stories is that these uh, and again, it could be men and women. Largely, we're talking women, but but underage, you know, in, in some cases, um, involved in in the wrestling business and uh, taken advantage of. Do you think it makes sense? Stuff like that, some some reforms to control for some of that stuff. I think the politically correct answer would be sure. Yes, mm-hmm. you know, I read that this. It it just it, what's what sucks about it is that. Man, I, that's a, that's a tough question. I guess I I see think if you have any other chick on there, they're gonna answer it a totally different way, Al. And it's like I look at some of the greatest mentors that I ever had in my life, and I'm eight, nine, ten years old, and they taught me right. more more than I could ever have hoped to learn. And then now that's taken out of the equation. Or, um, shit, I'm not answering things the way that. A woman probably should. No, I appreciate the honesty. I mean, you and, know, and the honesty, Al. The honesty is where are the parents, and uh-huh. where are where are the the people checking in on their kid? If it's an underage kid, like, why aren't you? Why? I guess I look at that like, why? Why aren't you? What happened that you don't know that your child? Like, do you not talk to your child afterwards? Do you not read them after a training, whether it be gymnastics or vocal? I'm thinking back to my vocal lessons. I'm thinking how young I was when I was left alone with these these teachers, these great men that I learned from. And had had there been rules saying as a 10 year old that I can't, you know, train with this person. I don't I don't know the answer to that question. Like maybe now it is a great idea. Like. Do you have kids, Al? I don't. Do you? Yeah, I've got two boys. How? Okay, so how old are your boys? Uh, 11 and 9. Would you allow them to train with a tutor for sports or for music or for whatever? Or, like, where do you lie on that stuff? Like, are you a helicopter parent, as they say now? Because my parents were not. I don't think they knew where the hell I was at at any given yeah, time. Yeah. I think so some of it's a generational thing. I think you you and I are probably uh, around the same age. Um, so right. I mean, I remember. I mean, I, I probably as am as much a helicopter parent as anybody. You know, my generation raising kids in in the suburbs yep. uh, these days. Uh, but you're right. I mean, it, it's funny. My kids won't. They're hesitant about crossing the street on their own. Um, 
and or or even if if you know going to the basement of our house on their own and weekends for for me it, it sounds like it was for you was like you open the door and the kids leave and come you know you come back sometime at, at night and, at and night when the street lights come and on. my parents were good parents they were they were you know they, they that that's just what parenting kind of was do you think do you think that your helicoptering is hindering your children with just personal awareness on harm or like have you ever thought about that because i'm not oh, absolutely yeah yeah no there, there's uh no it I, I think it it it's um it's a real issue and a real concern for parents and i think so much of it is uh uh the changes in media right so i think it's it's easier for folks to look at the world now and say oh my god things are so much more dangerous now uh so many predators and all these harms and dangers and my thought to some extent is that uh, this stuff's always been around. We just didn't know about it, right? Now every Ow. time, uh, I, I mean, it I'm, is. I'm on it various is. Facebook groups now for like my kids' school, and whenever somebody like is, I'm exaggerating somewhat, but like when there's just the dude who walks by and like hangs out too long by the playground, there's like a you know a dozen posts and beware of this guy, blah blah blah, blah you know all, all that stuff. Okay, went, okay, went so back. let me let, let me flip it, let me flip it, and so help me God if you cut this up. Or edit my <laughs> shit that it makes me look bad. I will come for you. I will come for you, Al. Let me ask you this. Like, all of that stuff that you just said, it's like, I don't know. How to, I just wonder, like, we, we didn't need a Facebook group when I was a kid. We knew Grandpa Lloyd was a pedophile. We knew because every time he would see us, well, it lasted once or twice. He wanted to show us a photo of a of a lady with naked t- hanging out. And I'm like, what is this whack ass? Like mm-hmm. this old guy's got an issue. And then, you know, we had a string with a cup <laughs> that we would throw across the houses and it was a string telephone. Remember those back yep. in the day? Yep. And if you listened carefully where you could just yell out the window, but you thought you could hear through it, you know, you would just say, all right, watch out for grandpa Lloyd on such and such Morgan street. He's a creeper. Okay, and like when we went up to the park, you jogged over a block or you went through the alley so that Grandpa Lloyd didn't see you coming out, coming down the street and you ditched him. And like we all knew to stay away from Grandpa Lloyd because he was a pedophile. We didn't even know what a pedophile was. We just knew that he was a creep. We stayed away from him. Our parents always just said, avoid Grandpa Lloyd's house. Avoid all of the Grandpa Lloyd's that are out there. Well, that's we, the Grandpa Lloyd's that you know, right? I mean, that he was out there and, and, and everybody sort of knew his his proclivities. But, but I think you would acknowledge that there are some that, that probably hide some of these proclivities a lot more. And you hear stories all the time about um, uh, people uh, being predators where you least expect it, whether it's your um, – you know, somebody in your family or people you're close to. So they're not, they're not always that obvious, right? They're not, but I guess having a dad as a cop and a parole officer, I assumed everybody was a predator, was a a pedophile or predator until proven innocent. Like I'm saying, I I'm an interesting person to have on your show, which I've stated from the beginning. Like I have a different lens that I see things through. No, I'm glad I'm glad I, I got a hold of you. And we could talk about this uh, all day. But 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 why don't we shift a little bit to, to a little more wrestling stuff, maybe maybe less heavy stuff. Um Impact Wrestling with you knew as TNA is still around. They're actually coming up on, on Slam Reversary, uh I guess is their eight eighteenth anniversary. 
Um, as, as you touched on, they, they started back in, in 2002. You, you were part of those formative years. Um, do, do, do you still have any business dealings with them? Because I know over the years you've, you've recorded some stuff. You've lent your musical talents to them. So do you still work with them at all? Nothing. I wish that I could. I, I talked to pretty much every single person that I worked with, though. I've had so many people on the podcast on Goldie's Closet. I mean, it's just insane. Is there anything left of the old TNA that 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 you knew? I mean, are there still folks there that that you you worked with back in in the days? I don't. I don't think so. I don't. I don't talk to them. Yeah. Like I. I, I mean, I talked to all of the people. Um, we had. Uh, we just did a really really big music video all to you, which is. Uh, if anybody's listening to this still, if they're not like completely like, what is this chick's deal? Cause I'm <laughs> answering like very, like as honestly as I can. Um, we, it's a PSA for suicide prevention. Again, I go back to Al's prevention. Everything is always prevention with me. Like what personally can I do to, to handle things? Uh, how can I, how can I fix things? Uh, this is just my hour as a band response to, there's a lot of people even before the COVID in entertainment in real life who are hurting. And we wanted to do a PSA that was as raw and upsetting to get attention so that this was a conversation that was created. So see where maybe in this light where you started the interview, I'm not as in your face, something like suicide prevention or child abuse with our last video, black Pearl jams, remake of black. That's a different story and a different lens. Like I, I'm all about like stirring it up um, because I think people need to talk about suicide prevention. So we made it into a PSA all to you. Please go look at it on YouTube and comment that you heard this crazy interview and <laughs> um, and put your magazine and your podcast over. But James Storm was in that. Alan Funk was in that. Chase Stevens was in that. Tupac Shakur's cousin was in that. B.B. King's daughter was in that. Chris Henderson from Three Doors Down was in that. Bobby Caps from 38 Special was in that. Um, some of the stars from The Voice in that. Like, I mean, a lot of people came together on that. So it's like in that forum, I'll totally stir it up because I because that's where my passion, you know, yeah. you know, lies. So again. With all of the sexual harassment stuff, like I just want to go on record as saying I'm so sorry for anybody that's experienced that, both male and female. And I don't know if I would have had social media back in the day if I would have taken to it or not. Like, I can't answer that because I don't know. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, yes, I, I do. And I think this, you know, really resonates beyond this conversation about this issue. But um it is a lot to ask somebody who lived through this at a time where the country was somewhere else culturally completely to say, uh, well, how would you have dealt with this? Because it's just. It's, it's, not, it's like I said, not, I, I raise kids yeah. in this bit. I don't know how I would be. I guess I would want to know where my child was at all the time at all times. But like I my parents did not know where I was for most of the time, but they raised me in a way where I was personally responsible. I knew right from wrong. I ass whooping 
was a common thing back when I grew up. Like if I got out of line, if I disrespected, if I didn't include no ma'am, no sir, if I didn't ask to be please excuse me from the table when I'm done, I got my ass whooped. If I didn't do chores around the house for free because back then there was not an allowance, you lived under a roof and you were given an opportunity and a blessing of having that and you paid your dues and you paid your rent. Like it was a different time and because my parents armed me with so much personal responsibility, I was a force to be reckoned with. And if somebody looked at me wrong or touched me where I didn't feel comfortable, I knew because it was so hardcore instilled in me. And I see a lot of kids these days and, you know, no disrespect how you raise your kids. You know what you're doing. I don't. But I see it and I just think like their edge, it seems it seems like a lot of the kids, especially the millennial and the Gen X, like the edge is completely gone and I just, I just had like this, no, take no bar, bar, what's that word? Bar none, bar no holds, whatever. You take no prisoners attitude as a kid because I was working once I was three. I, I had another job, even if I wasn't modeling or on, in movies or on TV, I had two jobs at one time in the neighborhood at a floral shop or at a hardware store or whatever. Like I am just a different bird to be interviewing. Like, I don't, I don't know to answer what you're saying, how, how I would have handled things back then. All I know is the first, excuse that internet, something's up. The first, the first inclination, the first encounter that I had, I was not worried about myself. I was not worried about, you didn't warn people by just running around and blabbing. You, you went to all of the women and just said, be careful for this guy. Like, that's how I handled it. Just this guy is no good. He's going to come at you. Look, they hired a hooker. You know, it's again, it's 18 years later, Al, you know, like Mm -hmm. I can talk about this openly. They did the best that they knew how with, with, you know what I mean? And the guy did eventually get fired. Um, I'll give you another quick story is there is an agency that I work with. Okay. They have a huge account at like a a string of fairs. Okay. And this guy found me on Twitter and said, um, I'm the head of such and such. And I hear that you're going to be coming and playing at our festival. Huge, 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 like 15,000 seater festival, you know, and then here comes the rabbit hole down he goes. And I just said, Hey, that's just great. I'm looking forward to seeing you. And I leave it as completely vanilla and completely generic, which means I want to, you know, perform oral sex on you apparently. (laughs) So here it goes down the rabbit hole of blah, blah, blah. Okay. Now what am I going to respond to this guy? He's the purse holder for like the entire thing. Not just that, not just that festival, but like, I'm sure he holds a lot of accounts for an agency that hires me and not only me, but all of my friends. So, so what do I do with that? Um, I just, uh, yes, sir. See you then. You know, well, do you think we can go have dinner afterwards? Well, I'm with my whole crew. Well, can you ditch your whole crew? Nope. That's my crew. Those are my bandmates. We're pretty solid. We're like thick as thieves. Well, I think we should go to dinner afterwards. That sounds great, sir. But, um, I'm here to work, blah, blah, blah. Again, answering completely like not upsetting the apple cart, but letting him know I'm firm and I'm not interested in what you're laying down. Then it goes to, well, you could always stay and we could get a hotel room. I can get you a hotel. Okay, so this is Harvey Weinstein greeting me at the door with a freaking towel around his waist in the middle of the night, and he's naked. What, where, 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 where do you think this is gonna go? Let's just take a, let's take a look at where do you think this is gonna go? You know what, sir? Thanks a lot. Thanks for the offer, but I'm leaving right after the show. Me and my bandmates have to get to the next town. Again, answering, 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 answering. Well, that guy needs to be stopped, doesn't he? I mean, uh, uh, because he'll do that to the next girl. Uh, and and it's the definition 
of abusing power, right? He's talking to you that way because he can get away with it. Because he, he can't get away with it. But what did I say in the beginning of it? I said karma's a bitch. Yeah, but karma's not, you know, a judicial system or anything. I mean, like, you you can't count on, I don't know, on 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 nature taking care of this. This, this guy needs to be be outed and and held accountable, doesn't he? Which he was fired. He was right. So good. Yeah, but but. Uh, and and that's not karma. I mean, that's that's I guess like getting caught, right? I mean that you you, you no that's nothing until you don't get it. No, until, that's me talking to the agency. Exactly. Well, okay, exactly. Well, then then in that circumstance, well, isn't that what people are doing though? I mean, is that essentially or, or no? What you're saying the difference. No, the, the, what people again, are doing. Again, the difference between going through the proper channels. Exactly. Versus, that's yeah, what I'm okay. saying. So I'm saying I the last thing that I did was right now is go and do what I did or go on social media. I didn't choose to do it that way. I chose to go to the agency and say, here's a string of threads, blah, 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 blah. Right. Right. I'm just saying I'm just saying that's this is what's happening to me. This is how I've handled it. That's me. That's how I did it. And and you got well, I, I, I wonder, though, and this is maybe the circumstance in the other um, situation that you brought up from from TNA is you go through the proper channels, right? You 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 do your part, you do your due diligence, you go to to your boss, your authority figure, and say, look, this is happening, and then you leave it to them to do something about about it. But they may or may not, right? And and you could argue that in the circumstance that you described earlier, Jerry Jarrett did not, right? Because that guy continued to to do what what he did. Now, as you said, oh, wait a minute. What do you mean Jerry Jarrett continued to do what he did? Not Jerry Jarrett, the guy who was the, the, the guy from the investment company who was He got fired. Not but but later, not because of that, right? Uh, I don't know. Pretty yeah. soon after that, pretty soon after that he was let go. What you're saying Jerry Jarrett's way of handling was was well we can't I don't lose know. That. I don't know what his way of dealing with it was. Right. I know the first step of what was to get the heat off of me. Because I went to him saying, I am uncomfortable and this is happening. Now, Al, if you're Jerry Jarrett and you've got this incredibly snowballing, successful promotion that maybe at the time was on the brink of dying, which we've seen it change hands of management many times, would you just go blow the whistle right now at the investment company or how would you have handled it? I get what you're saying. and, and But that that what's interesting here is that social media – and we could debate, you know, the, the, the pros and cons, but it does have a way of potentially holding folks accountable like nothing else would. Because in that circumstance, theoretically, let's say you do go to Twitter and Twitter doesn't exist at the time, but let's say it does. And, and you do go to Twitter and say, yep. you know, this this happened. This is unacceptable. Now. Jerry Jarrett is is got to do something right. Yep. And, and yep. beyond that. Uh, and you haven't named them, but I will. Panda's got to do something, right? I mean, be, because um, they, they because and and they can't go and cut ties. I mean, they could, but it looks really bad, right? If they go and they drop TNA after somebody blows the whistle on on one of their employees being uh, inappropriate. So, um, and and we've seen this in social media uh, all over the place, right? Somebody steps up and tells the world this is happening. Now you can't go as, as as a person in power. You can't go and handle this quietly. Now you've got to handle it publicly. Al, right? 
Al, let me play devil's advocate. What if what I had to say to Jerry Jarrett, what if I didn't have a tape? And what if I made that all up because I was mad about something? I'm not saying, but what if I did? What if it wasn't a completely different what, story? Yeah. What what oh. if what if my story is fifty percent true, fifty percent not true? What if what if, what if what if I'm just well, saying what what if? Well I'm I'm not saying if or not. Saying the the answer if. to the what if is that the, the the it then becomes the responsibility of Jerry Jarrett uh, and the Carters um, to investigate it, right? So right, and and um, I think a lot of people believe that of of the dozens and dozens or even hundreds of accusations that have come forward in the last Absolutely. few weeks about speaking out, some probably don't hold water, right? Um, you know, is it I don't know. I listen to me. Al, but but Al, you have to I don't know. I wasn't there. All I can say no, is I, I, I mean, take uh, care uh, of. But that's the point of 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 the idea is these come out and then you have to uh, address them and investigate them. What one example? One of the more public ones has been out of WWE. Matt Riddle, who is um, a, a prospect that they have, who they just called up to their main roster from the developmental system. Um, there's been a woman who's come forward with a lot of accusations uh, about him. And, uh, you know, whether it's the right move or, or the wrong move, you know, we'll see. But he's still working on TV. And what WWE has said publicly is, you know, we're investigating it. We're looking at it there. They have some um, reason to question the credibility of, of this woman uh, who's come forward about him. Uh, but. Right. I, I, I don't think the right thing to do in the situation that you described is you say something to Jerry Jarrett. Jerry Jarrett uh, goes and tells Panda, Panda Fireson. Right. I mean, that just based on your word. Um, but you do look into it. Is there, you know, when you say something, does it turn out that there was 10 other women who have had, have similar stories? And, the, and then you've got kind of a pattern there, you know, um, I, it's it's I get it. I get it. It's just such a it's such um it's such a freaking mess. And for any woman that's listening, yeah, I've had plenty of experiences in my life. Um, and they won't probably stop, but to any man that's listening, I, I, like I said, I come from a neutral position on things because until I have all of the facts and I know, and then honestly, like, Man, I don't I don't even know how to say this, Al. It's just like again, I always go back to personal responsibility on things. Like, are you handling everything the best that you can? Are you doing things through the proper channels? And I just I, I like I said, zero, zero in the wrestling business, a ton in the music business. And by the time I was 30 years old, you better get the fuck out of my way. Mm-hmm. You better get the fuck out of my way. Don't even look at me wrong because I've already been through the ringer and I'm done with you. And I think like a pheromone of somebody wanting to get laid that when people cross my path, they know this bitch means business. And that's what I put out every time. Don't fuck with me. And you know what? Nobody's fucking with me, Al. I'm just right. saying, I got no time because of what I've been through. I've got no time for bullshit. And I wish that on every woman. I wish 
for every woman when I was a kid and I thought maybe if I just bent this way or bent that way in the wind that maybe this person will give me a job or whatever. Now, I'm not saying that I'm sucking schwank or having sex because I've never had sex with anybody that I haven't loved. I don't do that. That's not me. But I see other people doing that and it hurts my heart because I'm thinking, I don't know that you're making the waters maybe muddying the waters so that when a woman really is being hurt and coming forward, like have you muddied the waters so that it makes her story harder to be heard? I yeah. look at thing I look at things like that and I take that seriously. And obviously if I go back to my initial story with this is what happened with this electric company, this is how I handled it. <laughs> Name you know, <laughs> I, I I looked at it as how is it gonna affect the whole because I have military background where you there's a chain of command and you take your orders and I have a different lens that I see things through. That's my story. That's what I want people to hear on this interview if they're even listening this long. <laughs> this interview did not go at all like I wanted it to. It was supposed to be rosy <laughs> nosy, but bro, I'm like one of the most was, intense intense bitches out there. Like I'm freaking it's an intense subject matter. Yeah, I mean, and and I really do appreciate your your and 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 um no, I hear you on on, on a lot of this stuff. I I do think that um there are women who aren't going to be like you, right? And some of it's just personality. They're raised differently. No, they're, they're not. They're, they're, and I wish they're, I wish they're not going to be as aggressive and forward. And um, for the, the situation you're described where a guy looks to take advantage of you, and you make it clear that, you know, that's not happening. Um, he'll turn away. But then does he go to, to one of these other women? Yeah, who, yeah I get that. Yeah. See, and you're, you're, you, are, you are bringing something very beautiful to light because, again, I don't think that way. Um, you, you're right. And, and, and what's going on is it's, it is a climate for people to come forward and tell their story. But like I said, I'm sitting back and watching and thinking, how can I help? And I don't know that chiming in on social media is going to help as much as something else that I could do or comforting somebody in a way or making a call and saying, I back this person but like not publicly, I guess, I, again, I'm in a different, I, I, I've got an interesting last story to tell you if you want to hear it. I don't know what you're Absolutely, talking. sure. Um, I was driving and had an incident with, an, and this is, I love cops. I come from, a, my whole family's on the force, but I had a cop say, um, you're not wearing your seatbelt. And I told him why, and I've got like some serious bladder issues. And like, I, I hate seatbelts and they make me feel confined in the way that it goes across my lap. I have to piss all the time. Anyway, I've got like nerve damage downstairs, TMI, but like, I'm just letting you know the backstory. I hate wearing my seatbelt because it literally may, I already have to pee 20 minutes every 20 minutes anyway. And the boys just get so tired of my piss stops that, you know, I, I hate wearing my seatbelt because I feel like I have to go to the bathroom every 10 minutes. So I don't wear it. Um, that's just me. Yeah, I'm lame. Whatever. Wearing belts saves lives. I know. But so pissing every two seconds pisses off your teammates. So I, I, I got pulled over for not wearing my seatbelts. And, you know, I told this guy, look, I just I just have issues. And well, anyway, I guess and I was I wasn't graphic about it. I just said I, I don't wear it because it makes me feel like I have to go to the bathroom a lot. And I'll, I'll wear it, officer, but I'm just letting you know, like, and this guy just obviously you can tell where this is going. He took it to like a really bad 
place, you know, like it was bad and like offering to like service me orally and whatnot. It was horrendous. And I was just like, oh my God, I can't believe that this guy just, he did not. No, no, he really said this. Oh, ew. Oh, I need a shower. Like, yuck. This is just like, and then son of a bitch, he, he pulled me over again. And then every time he saw our touring vehicle, he'd pull me over and I was done. So I stopped going that route because I knew that if I reported that guy, I'm like, that's the last thing that I need is now all of his buddies on my ass. That's where I was thinking. Like, I don't need it. Like, that's the cops. Fast forward to me getting pulled over my birthday to running my mouth to the officer saying, are you freaking serious, bro? On my birthday, I'm late to the airport. You're going to give me a ticket on my birthday, bro? Really? Ma'am, step out of the car. I'm like, really, bro? And he's like, ma'am, your mouth. And I'm like, ma'am's mouth is not going anywhere. You're giving me a ticket on my birthday, and I'll never forget it. Go ahead, officer. Well, you can I go to traffic. On my 30th birthday. Yeah, hello. And I see he's like, well, you can always go to traffic school. I'm like, so you can get your money and your quota, you asshole. I said it. I'm yeah. getting back in my car. Good day to you, officer. And that was it. Fast forward to getting pulled over again afterwards where the guy was going to give me a ticket for speeding, blah, 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 what's new? And I just said, all right. Oh, no, I'm so sorry. Let me go back to that. When we were all done and I called him an asshole and he just was trying to not laugh, I said, in all this, when I actually love cops and deal with your bullshit officer, like the time, and then I referenced the, the comment that this guy made about oral sex, he wished me a decent day, gave me my citation, I went on my way. Can I tell you? that the police chief and the police commissioner gave me a call 10 days later. And they wanted to know who this officer was. They wanted to have a phone call, blah, 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 blah. On the phone call, as they're like, can you go through what happened? I'm like, really? They wanted to know ver word for word what the guy said. And I'm like, this is really uncomfortable for me to tell you, but okay, this is what he said. And he said, did he really say that to you? I'm like, why would I uncomfortably tell you these graphic words? Well, turns out there is 20 other people on that call. What? I wow. said, you sons of a bitches. Would you at least let me know when 20 other bros are listening to this creepy story? And like you could hear a few people cough. The guy was terminated because of, like you said, my testimony with a lot of other people's testimony. I found out that my story, much as what you said, corroborated everything. Right. So, right. yes. Some really good things can come from it. But again, I took it from it. I just have a different way of dealing with things. But the guy yeah. was terminated, you know, and not because of just my story, but because the exact same story corroborated by many different people who had more proof than I did. So, you know, I appreciate you bringing that up because it does remind us that that this is one way of of getting bad people out of positions and bringing light to things. I just always want to say like, if anything, anyone's getting a take home from this whole thing is just, you know, be careful with how you do it and, and, and do it with as much integrity as you can. Part of what I'm hearing that I think it makes a lot of sense is um, just appreciate the consequences of, of all of your actions. Right. And, and that no, there, what, there, there. whatever you, you do, uh, that a lot of people are going to be affected by it. You, okay. Say it again. Whatever you say it again. <laughs> See if I can oh, remember yes. it. Nope, it yeah. was perfect. Go back and listen as I'm stepping all over your words because I was so excited 
that you yes yes that that uh, appreciate the consequences of of your actions right and and uh, know that whatever move you make um it's going to affect a lot of people in a lot of different ways and that doesn't mean you don't go forward with it but just no go, go into right go into whatever you're doing no knowing what's likely to come out of it right and and you know there there have been wrestling companies that have uh, i can think of one at least that have folded over all this stuff uh, and as you touched on, that means some people aren't working there anymore. People lost jobs, innocent people who had nothing to do with it. Um, but that also doesn't necessarily mean that it wasn't the right thing to happen. Right. So, and I'm not, I'm not saying is or isn't, I'm saying this is me and this is how I handled things. And again, yeah. I just, I don't want to get crucified for anything that I said. I'm just being honest. No, I appreciate how Kenny you've been. This, this has actually been a lot of fun. I want to be able to do it again and maybe talk about some, um, something a lot lighter than, than all this. Um, no, but so. you, I appreciate, I appreciate you summing it up the way that you have, and you really illustrated what a beautiful father and family man that you are and Thank how much. You. And care. I know, uh, I, 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 I know that people are going to jump on you and they're going to hear part of what you're saying and, um, take it out of context. So I, I do think it's important to have the, the entire context of, of, of what you're saying. I think I hear where, where you're coming from. Um, and it, it's an important perspective to, to share. So, uh, go back. Thanks so much. Ed, anything you want to uh, plug real quick before uh, we cut off here? No, I just really want people to go look at our video because it's a masterpiece and some of the greatest wrestlers of all time were in it all to you on YouTube. And we've got an amazing new Patreon that, um, that's launched. So just Patreon slash Goldilocks rocks, some really, really cool content on there. Excellent. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Best of luck in uh, all you do, and hopefully we can do this again. Talk to you soon, honey. Thank Take you. Take care. Bye-bye.